our starters need to play better, and they know it. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Today we're going to be looking back at a pretty busy Sunday, eight games in the NBA, some injury news from across the weekend as well as looking at the nine games for Monday for Daily Fantasy and if this is the audio version you're listening to, um, you can check out our week 23 preview in the middle of the show for the video. YouTube guys, you'll see a separate video for that as well. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed. We will start where we always do on these shows, of course, with... Monstrous Line of the Night. The Monstrous Line of the Night goes to Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks. It wasn't enough for the Bucks to get the victory, but 36 minutes for Yanni, 52-16-7. Absolutely ridiculous numbers. He also hit three threes, three out of eight from three-point range, two steals and a block, a ridiculous 15 of 26 from the field, and an even more ridiculous 19 of 21 from the free-throw line. Giannis's shooting has taken so many big leaps forward this year. At the start of the year, you weren't getting any threes from him. He was about 8% from three, and he was an absolute automatic punt free-throw guy. That's no longer the case. We're seeing these nights here, 19 of 21 from the line. He had a 10 of 10 from the line the other day, an 8 of 8 from the line. Big volume, which was really one of the big downsides of Giannis for fantasy, was a huge amount of free throw volume. We're hitting 65%, 68%, you know, tanking that category for you. But not anymore. Over the last two weeks, he's the number one player in fantasy. He's hitting 83% of his free throws on 11 attempts. In fact, over the last uh, 24 games, 77% from the line. And while that's still a marginal negative, it's not huge. It's not punt at all. In fact, his season numbers now at 73% from the line. He's not an overall punt free throw guy, even though he was for the first two to three months of the season. And these last two weeks, averaging 13, a 30, 13, and 6 with a steal, a block, and a 3 on 59 and 83, pushes him right to the top ahead of James Harden, who's sort of winding things down. Still, you know, the shooting from three is still not great. 34% over the last two months is okay, but it's not fantastic. But we're seeing the steps here for Giannis where... If that can keep going as a consistent thing, then he is absolutely in discussion to be that number one player next season. He's currently the number three ranked overall guy on a per game basis for this season. So if the shooting comes around, if the free throw shooting comes around, it's going to be a, a massive battle at the top. And he, to me, is the number one guy that you want in uh, in dynasty leagues. Anthony Davis is up there as well, of course, but uh, I think Giannis is that number one guy that you want for dynasty formats. Waiver wire line of the night. The waiver wire line of the night is the young gun of the night. It's the deep leaguer of the night. And it's big, bad, sexy Alex Caruso of the Los Angeles Lakers. 28 minutes for Caruso. 12 points with three rebounds, two assists, five steals, and three blocks. I say this at the risk of getting, you're just a hater. What do you have against him? But... I think Caruso is a better point guard than Rajon Rondo for this team at the moment. Now, that doesn't mean that I think Rondo is a guy that you drop or that Caruso is an absolute 100% must-add player. But over the last eight games that Alex Caruso has played, he's the 130th ranked guy. 
over the last two weeks in 22 minutes a game. He's the 94th ranked player. Yes, today's steals and blocks, there's no way that that's going to continue. We're well aware of that. But he's shooting at an extraordinarily high rate so far this season, 55% from the field uh, is obviously, for a point guard especially, really huge numbers. And he's getting these extra minutes at the expense of someone like Josh the Hitman Hart, who's dealing with his knee issues, Uh, Reggie Bullock, Rondo himself, who realistically, he's not that good. And Caruso almost almost invariably comes out of each game with a better plus minus than Rondo. Now, a lot of that's to do with who you play with and all that sort of stuff. But Rondo's sharing the court majority of the time with LeBron James. And the fact that Caruso comes in with a better plus minus in those games is pretty staggering. Um... He's uh, he's uh, at least at this point a, a really solid option as a stream guy for assists. You're not looking at him as a as a must roster player at, at all, but his ability to get some assists and get some steals, and he scored in double digits in three consecutive games with the lowest minutes in those three games, 25. In 14 team formats, Caruso, who's rostered in 3% of leagues, he's in, in the mix there. Not a must roster 12 team guy, more of a stream guy, but I can realistically see a scenario where you know the Lakers just want to see what happens with him and they give him more minutes than Rondo down the stretch and we, we see 30 minutes a night from Alex Caruso. But for now, in a 16 or deeper, you add him, you look at him in 14 and you just sort of keep him on the back burner in 12 team leagues. But another strong performance from Big Sexy, Alex Caruso from... Um, from Sunday's games. Now I'm going to tell you about today's fantastic sponsors, and that is my bookie with the first weekend of the NCAA tournament coming around, and it is the greatest betting event of the year. You can get all of your action at my bookie, whether you like filling out a bracket, picking a national champion, predicting the first round upsets, or all of the above. My bookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. We'll check what Zion can do and his teammates, RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish. How far can Duke go? How far can Calipari get Kentucky to go? What other upsets are we going to have? Is Virginia going to bounce back after losing to that 16th seed last season? If you know the answers, or even if you don't, MyBookie is the place to get in on that action. They have something for everyone. MyBookie has been in business for years, and their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business. The best part is they pay out fast when you win. Bet with the best and then kick back and enjoy March Madness while you watch your picks cash. Deposit with MyBookie using the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a 50% sign-up bonus. That's the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. With MyBookie, you play, you win, and you get paid. Let's move on to the next award of the day, and we're swinging straight to the dud of the night. And it's a little bit unfair on Harrison Barnes, the pencil to be the dud of the night, but his line was just so empty. And the way I use these cutoffs, and you could easily have someone like Tyus Jones or John Isaac that was significantly worse than Harrison Barnes today, but I use it as a 70% rostered cutoff, and both of those guys were significantly below 70%, so they didn't get it. So Barnesy, 15 points, two rebounds, one assist. He had a triple zero as well, and he shot the ball pretty well. He has 64%. That's better than pretty well. Um, it, it just does show the, the lack of those supporting stats that Barnes often puts up, and that can have an overall negative impact on his value. But of late, he has been playing better, the 78th ranked player over the last two weeks. He's been hitting threes at a pretty decent rate as well. Still, hasn't blocked a shot since the 27th of February against Milwaukee, and the, the time before that was the 2nd of February against the Cavs. He has blocked, in this calendar year, three shots, and that's just you know, what really underlies just how poor of a shot blocker he is and why he struggles so much in fantasy. 1.5 assists, 0.7 steals, 0.2 blocks on 41% shooting. There's just so many negatives in his game, and it did 
Uh, it, it did show up here in this game, but it's not a horrible performance from Barnes, and he still probably has that 12-team value as a points streamer especially. But if you don't need the points category, then a lot of his value does disappear. The Goats of the night, plus minus. Chris Paul, plus 81.4 in the Rockets' easy victory, while the worst net rating went uh, in the same game to Cameron Reynolds of the Minnesota Timberwolves, negative 124.7. Reynolds has been playing all right. They've signed him to a multi-year deal, but this was not his best performance against a very, very good team. Let's talk injury news. CJ McCollum is out for at least the next week with a knee injury. That's not great for him. We're talking semifinals or finals in fantasy at this point. Um, and we've got McCollum on the shelf. Now, everyone's going to want to know, who do we go and add? Well, I, in, in so many cases, this is the case. There's no clear one-person must-add player. You're probably going to get Rocket Rodney Hood move into the starting lineup, but how many times have we seen a a 30-minute-a-night Hood with extra offensive responsibility fail to be a 12-team league guy? Considerably. It's all the time. We just can't trust him. He's a 14- to 16-team league guy that you can stream in for points and threes and for an impact in free-throw percentage. He can help in those areas. Seth Curry is likely going to get a boost as well. You might get some minutes for Anthony Simons in deeper leagues, but these aren't going to be guys that impact 12 teams. Hey, Seth might come in and play three games and hit 10 threes in that time. That's a real possibility, and that could be really interesting as a three-point streamer, but it's not a must-roster situation. As for McCullum, I would say the fact that they're saying minimum one week means we're going to be looking at two weeks for him, and you'd have to consider whether dropping him is in your best interest. You may have to do it without an injured reserve spot. For as good as McCullum has been in stretches, he's been bad in some stretches, but strong in others. If you're going to be missing a guy for two weeks, and I think that's that's a more I think two to three weeks is more realistic than thinking he's back in a week, but we, we don't know at this point. All we know is he's out for a week. You may need to make that harsh decision to, to move on from CJ McCollum. You definitely move on from Malcolm Brogdon, who has a torn plantar fascia. He's going to be out for the rest of the regular season, probably going to miss the first round of the playoffs and even more. And much like the Blazers situation, who moves into and gets the value there? It's just nobody in particular. We saw in Sunday's game, Nikola Mirotic moved into the starting lineup. Nothing changed with his production. Tony Snell's minutes actually went down. You're going to have Sterling Brown in the mix, Dante DiVincenzo. We had DJ Wilson come in. You're going to have a whole bunch of guys, Pat Connaughton, but none of them are going to be 12-team league players. The value is just going to be spread around to Chris Middleton, to Eric Bledsoe, to Yanni Antetokounmpo, to Brook Lopez, uh, with DJ Wilson coming in in that deeper league. He has a, an increase in value. Snell has been atrocious, and we know he's not a good fantasy option. Connaughton's been solid, but it's 14 or 16-team league type value. So there's no one that you go and add. Unfortunately, you have to go and drop Brogdon, but you drop him and you add Jalen Brunson. That's the sort of guy that you add. Someone not on the same team. You add Maxi Kleber maybe from Dallas. There's a bunch of guys on different teams. The Duck, Luke Kennard, maybe he's an ad that you want to look at to replace what Brogdon can do, even though he's been struggling of late himself. Monty Morris in Denver. These are the sort of guys that you consider, not necessarily someone from Milwaukee who's going to jump in. You're probably well aware of this by now, but Russell Westbrook is suspended. He will not play on Monday after receiving his 16th technical foul. Every two techs that he receives after this now will be a one-game suspension. So his 18th tech, his 20th tech, his 22nd tech, that will be a one-game suspension. So you're on very high Eric Schroeder, Eric Schroeder, Dennis Schroeder stream alert. 
to, to add him on those games where Westbrook is suspended. And on Monday, it's one of those situations. Kyle Lowry missed Sunday's game with an ankle injury. It looks like he's going to miss Monday. So Freddie Van Vliet is an excellent stream for Monday, more so than Jeremy Lin or Norm Powell. We're also probably going to get the fun guy sit out on Monday too. So some extra value really showing itself in Toronto. I'd be a little bit worried about Lowry in this ankle for the rest of the week, to be honest. And then DeMarcus Cousins with a foot injury. He's going to be receiving an MRI. The Warriors have a five-game week. Zero chance that Cousins plays five games. I think with this injury creeping up, you're probably looking at three games. I wouldn't be surprised if he sat both Monday and Tuesday with his foot injury, and it could actually turn out more severe than that. So fingers crossed it's nothing serious. But again, at the start of the season, if you didn't want to roster Kavon Looney, if you didn't want to roster Jordan Bell, and why would you? He was pretty terrible to begin the season. Then there's no clear pickup here. Andrew Bogut's back with the team. Maybe he's in the rotation, further muddying the center waters, meaning all these guys like Looney and Bell and, and Bogut are like 16-team league guys at best, which is a real pain in the ass. Um, if you do have Cousins because you're losing out some value. And I do think he is going to sit some of these games as we move forward. Let's move on now to have a look at these games from Sunday, talk about the uh, fantasy takeaways from them. The first game we look at is the Lakers and the Knicks. The Knicks get the victory 124-123. I talked about Caruso already, but and the JaVale McGee roller coaster continues. Just 19 minutes. He's like 30, 19, 30, 19. But he's productive. 12 and 7, three steals and a block, 60% shooting. He's a real specialist. He's not a must-roster player. He fits certain teams. We would hope he would get more minutes moving forward, but I don't think that's going to be a situation. While Flaming Mo Wagner. Remember after that one game he had when he replaced Kyle Kuzma and everyone was really going the old uh, the old Turkish Turkish grip on Mo Wagner? And it just never seemed like it was going to stick. I had people tell me, oh, I'm a Lakers fan. He's definitely playing 25 a minute, 25 minutes a night every game from now on. It just isn't the case, and pretty clear that we can move on. Reggie Bullock, he has not been good for this team. Josh the Hitman Hart, only 19 minutes. KCP, just 28 minutes for 11 points. Very little value with those guys. Interestingly, LeBron James... LeBron James... He played 35 minutes, the most he's played in quite a while. 33, 6, and 8 with a block as the Lakers failed to get a victory over the Knicks. And uh, yeah, we're well aware they're not making the playoffs. On to the Knicks. No Dennis Smith, no Noah Vonley. So Emmanuel Moutier played 33 minutes and played well. 28, 2, and 8, 73% shooting and 90% from the line. He'll never shoot that well in his life again. But with Smith and Nilakina still questionable for Monday, streaming Moutier could actually work for you. And then again, in true Fizdale fashion, he had not played since the 13th of February. Mario Hazonia not only played, not only started, but played 36 minutes and had 17 and 8 with two steals and a block. Having any sort of predictability in what Fizdale is going to do is literally impossible. Hazonia could go, or well, what he'll likely do now is that when Vonley returns, Vonley will start and Hazonia will go down to 20 minutes, then to 15 minutes, and then out of the rotation by the end of the week. Or he, or Vonley stays out and we get three games of 30 minutes in a row for Hazonia. If he played 30 a night, which I think he should have been doing all season, he would have been a 12 team league guy. But it's been as up and down as you can get. And this is tantalizing, but it's Fizdale. DeAndre Jordan, 
who two games ago played 15 minutes and now two in a row has played 33 because when you've got a young player like Mitchell Robinson who is thriving in a larger role and you've made that decision to limit Jordan in one game, you absolutely have to reverse course and give it to a 31-year-old worst defending center who's a free agent and is no part a part of this uh, franchise's future. You've really got to make sure you limit your young guys as much as possible. Um, that apparently is the Fisdale method. So Jordan, whose value looked like it was disappearing, was back here while Robinson only played 15 minutes. And it still had his two blocks. And I don't know, is two, 85 games isn't enough of a sample to get consistency in Fisdale's rotation. So I definitely think that two games isn't enough to say that, well, Robinson's played under 20 in two straight games. That means he'll play under 20 every game moving forward because it's Fisdale. If you haven't learned that lesson, then you haven't been paying attention. Robinson could play 15 minutes next game. He could play 30 minutes next game. So the fact that he's still got two blocks in this game means I am still holding him, but it's obviously frustrating. It makes no sense whatsoever, but that's what the man in the glasses deems is appropriate. The big minutes is coming, uh, is coming, are coming. That's better English for Damian Dotson. 41 minutes, 25.6 rebounds. His numbers have been remarkably consistent. So you're just waiting for someone to come and smash an egg over the back of your head and see him drop down to 20 minutes with four shots. It feels like it's coming, but for now, he definitely has some 12-team league ability uh, and value, especially for his scoring. While the fort, Kevin Knox, who's been playing 25 minutes every single game until today where he played 37 and had 19-6 and six on the first night of a back-to-back because apparently the rookie wall didn't exist when you play the Lakers. Knox is still just that deeper league guy. Um, better than Doncic, Alonzo Trier had four points in 16 minutes, and he has uh, disappeared. Fair enough, because he's not actually as good as what some may have made him out to be. The next game we look at, the Miami Heat blew out the Charlotte Hornets, 93-75. Cody Zeller was out again, so Bismack Biombo started, but they went small a lot. Uh, we had, saw 30 minutes from Frank Kaminsky. Literally can't believe that I'm writing about Frank Kaminsky playing 30 minutes. He had 13 and 7 on some pretty poor shooting, but as a point streamer, he has some appeal, even for 12-teamers. Uh, Nick Batum, 12 and 7, didn't shoot well, but it was solid enough. Or Jeremy Lamb, really back on track, 21 and 4, three triples, four steals. While Miles Bridges continues to start, had 10 minutes. He has not been good at all, and the starting of him is, uh, is a pretty weird, uh, pretty weird development. Kemba Walker was bad as well, 10 and 4 in his 36 minutes, as was Marvin Williams. So the, the three blocks did save Marvin. Um, I, he, I wouldn't be looking at Marvin Williams as a must roster guy. For the Heat, Justice Winslow was out, so Goran Dragic stepped it up. 28 minutes for Dragic, 19-2-4 with four triples. How they handle him when Winslow is back, whether that's Monday or one of the games ahead for the week, is going to be really, really curious. But you know, he's he's worth a gamble for Monday at least to see exactly what happens there. Uh, Bam Adebayo was great. Bam! two steals and a block. He will be the starting center for this team next season and will be a top 100 guy. I'm pretty confident with that. Uh, Dwayne Wade, 17 and 8 in 28 minutes. You'd have to think his minutes drop down a little bit next game in the back-to-back. While uh, Derek Jones had uh, three three blocks and a uh, and a steal, he can be that defensive streamer type of guy. But you have to think that he got those minutes and James Johnson got his minutes because Winslow was out. A poor performance from Olenek and Josh Richardson. Two of 17 from Joshy was pretty poor, but at least he did bring six rebounds, five assists, and two steals there. While Olenek the same, nine rebounds, six assists on one of seven shooting. I think a Linux is a definite 10-team drop and probably a 12-team drop as well. 
The next game we look at, the Sixers with the big road win over the Bucks. Embiid was fantastic. 40 and 15, six assists, three steals, four triples, and a block. While uh, General Soreness, Jimmy Butler, had 27 and six with three steals. Toby Harris's usage well down. Only seven shot attempts, 12, seven, and four. This is the worry I had that A, when he was traded to the Sixers, and then B, when he was putting up those numbers without Embiid, that he would drop back off, and we've seen that over the last couple. Well, Benny Simmons also copying a, a little bit. Eight points, but still had the nine rebounds and nine assists. Jim Ennis with all those backup wing minutes ahead of Johnny Simmons, while Prison Mike has 24 minutes. He's getting a lot more playing time than I expected. For the Bucks, Middleton 19-7-6, Lopez 14-4 with four blocks and three triples, picking up some of the Brogdon slack, while Bledsoe had 12-5-6, not his greatest night. Paddy Connaughton got 25 minutes, had six points. As I said earlier, he's just a streamer for intermediate size leagues. And then you've got Tone Snell, who amazingly played only eight minutes, uh, had an eight trillion. That's not unusual for Tony Snell. And I think we're finally seeing people realize he's just not that good. Marotic had 24 minutes in the start, two points, four rebounds, two assists, and two steals. And while he is starting, and he probably will start moving forward for this Bucks team, if you are desperate, in need of desperately for games or for other stats, or he's your worst player, then you have to consider him streamable. He has really struggled. Um, this might give him a new lease of life, but it obviously wasn't the case here. While DJ Wilson had 13 points with three triples back in the rotation at the expense of Malcolm Brogdon. The Raptors lose to the Pistons 110-107. The fun guy was great, 33-10. and 10. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> Five triples, a steal, a block, really good numbers from him, while Mark Gasol was awesome as well. Oh, hi, Mark. Nine points, but 11 rebounds, eight assists, a block, and most importantly, 37 minutes. We've got one more game of the Serge Ibaka suspension to go. Uh, I, I do think that Gasol will remain the starter when Ibaka returns, but it won't be at this level of minutes. But with one game left, we ride that out, and then you know, maybe he does become a droppable player. Fred Van Vliet returned from his thumb injury, 17 points, four triples, four assists, and he's probably going to have another opportunity at big minutes and big production on Monday with Lowry and Leonard unlikely to play. Well, Siakam, been struggling a little bit lately, Pascal. 12-3-3 in his 32 minutes. You're not dropping him, of course. Jeremy Lin started in place of Lowry and did very, very little. And with Van Vliet back and when everyone gets healthy, Lynn may struggle to remain in the rotation. For the Pistons, Andre Drummond had 15 and 17, another big rebounding. And I will, Ishi Smith really brought this stream ability, eight assists and three steals. That's what we look for Smith to bring, while Reggie Jackson had 20 points in his 24 minutes. Griffin was solid, 25 and eight, while 28 minutes for Langston Galloway is probably about 26 or 27 minutes too many. He had 11 points um, and not really as a fantasy option anywhere. Luke Kennard, if it wasn't for the potential of Blake being rested on Monday, I think Kennard would be a 12-team drop. Uh, even so, he's not a priority add or a priority hold or anything along those lines. Next up, the Bulls got blown out by the Kings, 129-102. Zach Levine was pretty good, although the efficiency was well off. 18-3-3 with three steals. And uh, Big Shaq Harrison. Big Shaq. 11-4 with seven assists. I think we chalked that one up to a little bit of fluke. Larry Markinen's terrible march continued 11 points in 23 minutes. The minutes were down all across the board for the Bulls, while Chris Dunn continues to be sucky. Eight points, five assists. You hold him for his steals. You hold him for his assists. The low minutes are due to the blowout, but as I'll, I'll continue to thump this into your heads as much as possible, he is not a starting NBA point guard. So in a dynasty format, if you can trade him away for anyone who wants to buy it, do it. I do not believe in him at all. Uh, Robin Lopez, eight and six with two blocks in his 28 minutes, and he remains a strong 12-team league guy. 
For the Kings, Budrick healed in 25 minutes, had 16 points, 4 assists, and 3 steals. His evolution has been fantastic this year, while Harry Giles, also a very, very good high-usage, low-minute game. 21 minutes, 16 and 6, a steal, and 3 blocks. I really think that he's going to be the starting center for this team next season, and probably will be a top 70 type of a fantasy. I think he's got that potential for next season. Uh, limited minutes right across the board. Bogdanovich, just the 23 minutes. Um, Bielitsa started and played only 18, but Marvin Bagley, 21 and 9 in 21 minutes. It helps when you play the Bulls, but I don't think it's going to be very long before we start seeing yeah, 18 minutes for Bielitsa on the reg and Bagley playing 28 a night. He, to me, Marvin, is a pretty clear 12-team league ad. This is that much of a blowout that Costa Kufos played 7 minutes, so that's all you really need to know in terms of the competitiveness of this game. The next one was a little bit more competitive. The Orlando Magic beat the Hawks 101-91. The Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman, against his former team was pretty strong. 10-14 and 14 in 25 minutes. I think he is a 12-team must-roster guy. While Alex Len got some of his minutes back, 13-3, and three, but more of a deeper league guy. Trey Young, 20-6, and six, you know, strong from him as well, while uh, the artist formerly known as Torian Prince. He's very Gaz Harrisy at the moment, 9 points in 28 minutes in a 10-teamer, move on. In a 12, you know, consider the roster, consider the structure, consider your waiver ads. He might be expendable, but in most cases, he probably isn't. Uh, Kevin Herter, fan of pants, 3 points in 22 minutes. That's two real stinkers in a row. No point to have him in 12-teamers. Onto the magic, Nikola Vucevic, 27 and 20 with three steals, just a monster. Aaron Gordon, 22 and 8 with three threes. But as I'll talk about later, the magic only have two games this upcoming week. So guys who are really playing well, like DJ Augustin, 11, 2 and 9 with two steals, they become droppable. Fournier, John Isaac, who sucked here, he's a he's a pretty clear drop in 12-team leagues. Uh, Terry Ross, six points in 24 minutes. All these guys who have had 12-team value, it's not going to be there for this coming week. Michael Carter-Williams, recently signed by the Magic. He's assumed the backup point guard role with Isaiah Briscoe-Hurt and Jaron Grant being Jaron Grant. So in deeper leagues, Carter-Williams can be an 18-team short-term streamer. So keep an eye on him. Not many people would have realized he's actually back on an NBA roster at this point. Next up the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Houston Rockets. The Rockets win 117-102. Carl Anthony Towns really, really going crazy at the moment. 22-10-6 with two blocks and two threes. Amazing that what we've been calling for for two years for the offense and for the coach to give the ball to Towns and let him be the dominant force instead of Derek Rose or Jeff Teague or Andrew Wiggins, whatever other bullshit Tom Thibodeau was trotting out there. Uh, amazing that they're giving the ball to your best player and letting him run things actually works. And uh, it's, well, it's working for Towns anyway. Uh, and this there undermanned team. He's uh, really carrying them. Joshua Kogi was strong, 21-5-3 and three with three threes. Not a guy you can rely upon, but long-term, I do like Kogi. Uh, Wiggins had 14-4-2, not a bad guy. Sharic continues to be you know, really poor. While it was a shit night from Tyus Jones, 0-6 from the field, 4 rebounds, 5 assists. Now, he's a, he's a real tricky one. What to do is your must-add guy. No, we don't know what Jeff Teague's status is going to be. Teague is likely going to miss another game. Uh, Rose, we don't know if he's going to miss another one or not. But when those guys come back, then Jones gets reduced. And I don't think that's what should happen, but it is it is what will happen. And I don't think Jones has got you know that top 40 upside in the short term when he plays that he becomes a must-add or a must-lock into a weekly lineup. I think that's really playing with fire in that scenario. Onto the Rockets, Chris Paul had 25, 7, and 10. Capella had 20 and 13, and Harden had 22 and 10. 
Uh, it was probably Iman Shumpert's best game. This was a weird one because Austin Rivers and Kenneth Reed were both rested. So we got more minutes for Shumpert, 31 of them. And Daniel House played 28. House is an interesting deeper league sort of guy. And Eric Gordon is going to sit out a game moving forward uh, in the near future. We don't know which game, but he's going to rest. And that's going to give an extra bump there to Daniel House for those deeper leagues. He shot the ball really well here as well, which boosted his numbers. In no way is he a 12 or even a 14-team league guy. Don't get me confused uh, with that. The last game of the day, the Brooklyn Nets and the LA Clippers, a bad loss for the Nets. A great win for the Clippers with Lou Williams, the best clutch guard in the NBA, uh, putting up a, a big uh, game-winning shot. D'Angelo Russell continues to be excellent, 32-5-10 with six triples. Damari Carroll, 22-7 and seven with 30 in 33 minutes. You look at that, go, is Damari back? But like the Magic, the Nets have two games this week, so you're not going to get any utilization out of him. So even someone like Spencer Dinwiddie, who was a disaster here, 13-4-3, but in a very Josh Richardson-esque 2 of 16 from the field, and then killed your free throws as well for a double whammy, 8 of 12 from the line. That is that is game, that is matchup losing type performance from Dinwiddie. With two games this week, I think moving on from him might be a, a move you got to make. Same with Karis LeVert, who was okay here, 12-4-7, but in two games, I, I don't think you hold him. Smoking Joe Harris, Rowdy Rodion's Kurooks, of course, you're not holding them. Even Jared Allen might become expendable this week. Uh, Kurooks fouled out in his 13 minutes, had two steals and three blocks, so that's excellent. And you know I really like him, and he should be penciled in as a starter for this team next season. For the Clippers, the rooster Danilo Gallinari had 20 and 11. Lou Williams chimed in with 25, and Montrez Harrell, the table, had 20 and 10 with three blocks. Big games from them. Gilgis Alexander, love seeing 36 minutes from Shea. 14, 2, and 10. Do I trust Doc Rivers? No. Do I look at him as a stream option, especially for 14 team leagues? Yes. I like what Shea's doing. I've liked him all season. I've hated the way Doc has used him at times. It's trending absolutely in the right direction, but he's far from a must roster player. Only 14 minutes for Ivica Zubats. Uh, one of nine from the field. That's two absolute disaster field goal percentage performances this week where that's where you normally can lock him in for good production. He is really just that deeper league sort of a player. While Landry Shamet continues to be one of the most elite three-point stream options around another four triples here. His starting role isn't going anywhere, but he gives you nothing apart from those threes. Uh, but you take those threes and you're happy when you get 14 points and three assists to go alongside it. Let's now flip this over and talk some DFS. Um, again, if, on the audio, we're going to go and do uh, do some weekly uh, weekly preview for week 23. Uh, but otherwise, let's head into DFS. All right, guys, let's take a look at week 23 in the NBA uh, for help with your daily changes leagues, your weekly changes leagues, playoffs, streaming, all that sort of stuff. We're going to be covering that right now in today's show or in today's segment. Um, first of all, let's look at uh, the teams and who has the best schedule for the week and who has the worst schedule for the week. The Golden State Warriors pretty clearly have the best schedule by the fact that they play five games, but there is zero chance that Steph, KD, Clay, Boogie, Draymond play all five of those games. You would have to think that four games for those guys is most likely. Maybe Cousins plays three. And then you've got Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston, who I think Livingston will probably play three of those. There are two back-to-back sets in that time. And Iguodala, he's, a, he's on the borderline to me. He's probably closer to three games than four games. So if you're looking to add these guys for those, you know, those potential options off the wire, like an Iguodala for a weekly lock, yeah, I don't think you're going to get those four or five games necessarily out of him. 
And you're going to have guys coming up and down. And it's going to open up some streaming value for guys like Jordan Bell on the days that Draymond and Cousins sits. Guys like Quinn Cook for the day that uh, the days that Steph sits. Someone like Damian Lee, perhaps, uh, on the days that Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson sit. There's going to be opportunities opening up there. Kavon Looney when Cousins sits as well. But it's going to be so up and down. And we don't know the schedule of when these guys are resting. Are they going to sit four of these guys on one day? Are they going to stagger it throughout the week? I would guess there's going to be a stagger for the resting of these Warriors players, but you're going to have some of them play five. You know, Looney, Bell, they'll play the five games. Alfonso McKinney will probably play five games for this team, but you're not going to have the majority of these players play five games in seven nights. Yes, they're in a battle with the Nuggets for that uh, number one seed, one game up on the Nuggets in the Western Conference, but I think the Warriors would prioritize. You're making sure these guys don't wear down. Well, there's already some signs of issues. Thompson missed time last week with a knee issue. Durant missed all of this week with an ankle injury. Steph's not quite himself at the moment. Cousins is coming back from an Achilles. Draymond's had shoulder and the lower body issues all season. So yeah, Livingston and Iguodala are about 100 years of age combined. So there's all issues with these guys and they're going to be taking it easy on them. But we, we knew this at the time when the Warriors came out with a five-game week that we didn't get overly excited because it wasn't going to mean five games for the majority of these players. But four games from Steph, four games from KD, four games from Clay is what you expect on a normal week. So that's you know, pretty normal there, but it's not this huge, huge boon to your playoff squad. On the flip side, the Orlando Magic have the worst schedule. Both they and the Brooklyn Nets play only two games this week. Um, so guys that you were holding on to at the back end for the Magic, Evan Fournier, gone. DJ Augustin, who was an interesting ad last week, gone. John Isaac, probably gone. You look at guys like Vooch and Aaron Gordon, they're players that you can use, especially Vucevic in a in a 12-team league. He will have a weekly value lock for those two games. Gordon, even that might be that might be pushing it with only the two games on for this Orlando Magic team. They play the Pelicans, which is a huge boon for guys like Vucevic, who can get really big numbers as centers, and they play the Grizzlies, which yeah, takes a lot of their value away. But those fringy guys, your your Isaacs, your Augustins, um, they're in you know, Fournier's, they are eminently cuttable for for this week to get you know you cut those guys and you add a, a four game team when the majority of teams this week week do play four games you're going to get significantly more value out of adding someone say like Marcus Smart who still is ridiculously under rostered um, adding someone like even a Wes Matthews maybe in Indiana to get his four games versus Fournier's two games or Isaac's two games it's pretty much a no brainer decision the burner Jalen Brunson a clear ad over those fringe uh, Orlando guys. And it's similar stuff in uh, in Brooklyn as well. We'll talk about that. Like guys like you know, Karis Levert, cooked. Like, don't worry about it. Alan Crabb, no, you're not holding on to him. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, is he a hold? If you need to win this week and you can stream out Dinwiddie for as good as he's been, I'm not certain that he is 100% a must hold here. I, I think that he is a guy that you could consider moving on from. D'Angelo Russell, Jared Allen. Jared Allen's a drop, I think, for this week for the Nets. If you, if you, you know, really need to get these game numbers up. D'Angelo is probably the guy you hold on to. Smoking Joe Harris, clearly gone. But there's a lot of value lost in those two-game weeks, especially when the majority or over half the league is playing at least four games and one team playing five games. 
the rest of this week. Now, we can stream nearly every day this week, the way the game's split up. We've got nine on Monday, six Tuesday, nine Wednesday, six Thursday, seven Friday, eight Saturday, eight Sunday. My streaming day cutoff is usually eight day, eight games. So Monday and Wednesday, you may not have stream value, but in a lot of cases, 50% of cases, if it's a nine-game slate, you will still have an active roster spot available. So there's the potential that you can stream every single day with the two possible maybe exceptions being the Monday and the Wednesday. You've got to maximize your waiver wire moves again. So like we talked about last week is if you've got four ads for the week, really attacking the back-to-backs. And unlike last week where we had uh, one of the day, one of the combination of days where there was no back-to-back, that's not the case this week. There are back-to-backs all throughout the week. So picking and choosing where to use those waiver ads to attack the categories you need to solidify your win or to snatch a win off your opponent in the categories league is really, really important. And getting those Eight games played out of four waiver ads is really important rather than using those four ads for four games. So you can really make a massive difference just by being smart with adding your players and adding the right players at the right time. That is really, really important to do. Um, Yeah, as I said, the Warriors stars, they're not likely to play their five games and you're going to have to make hard decisions in a lot of leagues. Yahoo default, you're in semi-final week. So next week is is the finals. So we're talking about if you you don't win, then what's the point of holding onto these guys for next week if you're not there? Now, if if you can use your weekly analysis tools to have a look at where you sit and things look pretty strong and you could hold on to a D'Angelo Russell, you can hold on to Aaron Gordon and absorb their two games because you've got a massive games played advantage. And remember, when looking at your opponents and you see you've got a two games played advantage, you go, that's pretty good. But if your opponent streams in, they can get a bonus eight games by attacking the back-to-backs on the uh, the four waiver rate. So that, that's important to note as well, that you've got to take advantage of that and see how many you can max out without actually dropping those guys, which is a possibility. But it is important that you pay attention to that and really do some... Uh, do some work in setting your setting your preview up or setting your your team up for the week with some forward planning because that is how you will win. Let's have a look at some guys that we can uh, look to stream for the week for specific categories uh, who may be available on the wire. I'm looking at guys who are rostered in 60% or fewer of leagues. If we're looking at the points category, the Padawan, Colin Sexton, has been putting up, I think, five consecutive uh, 20-point games uh, scoring-wise, so that's really good value there. His efficiency has actually been pretty solid as well. He's been much improved, and his teammate, Chetty Osman, another option that you could look at on the waiver wire to provide you points for this coming week, four games the Cavs have. So that is uh, it's really interesting to use them. And of course, Jalen uh, Brunson, who we mentioned earlier, is a, probably a must roster right across the board. Marcus Morris, another option, I think, for points you're looking at. The Celtics have four games. He could be uh, an, an option just for that points streaming type uh, type situation. If you're looking to stream in some threes, a couple of jazz guys uh, really stand out to me. Uh, Jay Crowder with his four games, he could easily have 11 or 12 threes across that uh, across that area. You've got the Duke Wayne Allington as an option and Kyle Corver. They've both got four games for this week. So an 11 or 12 threes from those guys wouldn't seem uh, completely out of place. So there are some interesting three-point stream options for this coming week. When we're looking at rebounds, uh, Noah Vonley, assuming he's healthy, he's uh, had an, an ankle issue. 
um, which has caused him to miss Sunday's game. So he could have some value if he is ready to go um, with that ankle. Bam Bam Adebayo and Jakob Pertl, two are pretty strong options who are close to must roster regardless, but they can provide some nice rebounding value. I didn't mention Dwight Powell because he obviously needs to be on every single roster uh, available. Uh, and the other one, if you want to look at it, another player, Von Lay is not there, is Mason Plumley with the Nuggets. Having four games, he's getting you know, low 20s in minutes, which is really helping his ability you know, to be an impact guy for fantasy for this coming week. If you're looking to stream in assists, I think the number one guy we're looking at there is Jalen Brunson, who's putting up some really, really strong games. This is not me talking about someone like Derek White, who is still available in way too many leagues. Even Thomas Sataransky, who is available in under 60% of leagues. These are guys that you know are a must roster players. Um, so you look at Brunson as a guy there, Marcus Smart, uh, rostered in under 50% of leagues, which is nonsense, must-roster guy, and uh, Monty Morris, another player there. You could also look at Alex Caruso for the Lakers, who is uh, outplaying Rajon Rondo pretty comfortably at the moment, and he can be an assists stream option. For the Steels, it's the same names that appear here as it did last week. Marcus Smart, again, must-roster player. PJ Tucker, another guy who can be a real uh, real option there for the Steels. McCall Bridges is another really, really good uh, Steels streamer. Damo Dotson, another player who's been putting up some pretty strong numbers and the minutes for him look relatively solid. If we're looking to stream in blocks, a name that I've already mentioned is, is Jakob Pertl. He comes in pretty good. Maxi Kleber is available in tons of leagues. The Mavericks have four games. His minutes have been up around 30 for the last three games, so there's value there. You could look at Jordy Bell if we assume he's going to get some extra run on days when Draymond and uh, and DeMarcus Cousins sit. So Jordy Bell can come in and give you some blocks. Uh, Robin Lopez, another option there, who, who's a, a blocks type of streamer player, who probably is a must roster guy. And then, yeah, your standard one is Nerlens Noel, who does come in and uh, and uh, can be really, really good at getting those numbers in uh, in big chunks. If we're looking to stream in some field goal percentage options, Mason Plumley, Jakob Pertl, two names that I've already mentioned, could have some real value uh, there. And the other guy we look at is Robin Lopez. And again, names that we have mentioned. Ken Fareed could be another guy that we'd look at in that uh, that category. Kavon Looney, uh, Bobar Marjanovic, another guy who could come in and, and create at least some sort of influence on your field goal percentage category. For free throws, we're looking at Jeff Green as a waiver wire option who can come in and have an impact there. Marco Ballinelli, another really good free throw shooter. And Rocket Rodney Hood, especially with CJ McCollum's injury, Hood can come in and provide an option there. Uh, He's really inconsistent in other areas, but you think he's going to at least be able to have some sort of an impact on the free throw percentage, you could look at Avery Bradley, who's a must-roster guy regardless, Kyle Corver, Jeremy Lin. These are guys who do get to the line and shoot a high percentage, and that could be enough just to influence that category. And another deeper type of guy you look at there is Alonzo Trier of the New York Knicks. All right, so that'll wrap it up for looking at a Week 23 preview. Good luck to you guys in your leagues, in your playoffs, in your roto leagues, and uh, be smart, make the, make the plans, and uh, I think you'll go well. On uh, that's not the graphic I want to bring up. The perfect lineups is where we want to start for Sunday. The the main slate on DraftKings just the four games: D'Angelo Russell, Josh Okogie, Danilo Gallinari, Dwayne Dedman, Nick Vucevic, Chris Paul, Damari Carroll, and Clint Capella for a total of three seventy point seven five, and that costs the full fifty thousand dollars. And on Fangio, Manny Moutier, Alex Caruso, D'Angelo Russell, Josh Okogie, Mario Hazonia, Yanni Antetokounmpo, Harry Giles, Montrez Harrell, and Joel Embiid. That totaled 423 and cost $59,600. Dollary dues.
All right, guys, let's look at the games now for Monday in the NBA, nine-game slate. We're going to be focusing mainly on fan jewel pricing in today's show. The first game that we look at, the Detroit Pistons on a back-to-back, traveling to take on the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Pistons at the moment are six-and-a-half-point favorites, and the total here is 214. The Cavs still dealing with injuries. Tristan Thompson, Matty Dallavadova, Larry Nance all out, while Kevin Love has appeared on the injury report with a back issue as well. So there could be a ton of minutes for uh, Ante Zizic, and perhaps Marquise Chris, maybe even Channing Fry gets into that mix, especially if Love does remain sidelined. For the Pistons, there's nothing official at this point. But their beat reporters, or one of their beat reporters, had posited that perhaps Blake Griffin could be rested in this game. Uh, That was something that Dwayne Casey had mentioned earlier in the day, saying the only player he was worried about in terms of minutes load and stress on his body was Griffin. And on a back-to-back against the Cavs, it would seem the ideal scenario to get that game of rest in for Griffin, so that is something to pay attention to. If he is out, it boosts the value of uh, of Andre Drummond. I imagine that they'd either put in uh, the tackle box John Lua or Glenn Robinson to start, or they could go small, shift Luke Kennard up and start him at power forward along with Allington at Brown, as they have done in the past. The last time that Griffin was out, we saw uh, Kennard at power forward pairing along with uh, Reggie Bullock and Bruce Brown, and I'd, I'd imagine that would be another option that they could go for in this matchup, especially if the Cavs are going small with their potential to start, say, someone like David Nwaba at power forward. So a few options there for both of these teams. At point guard, Reggie Jackson's at 5,600. You've got to love what Jackson's been doing. I love the matchup for him here. He had 31 points in only 24 minutes on Sunday. I think that's a good price point for him. Or Ish Smith, uh, again, the matchup suits Ish, and he was really good against, uh, against the Raptors. On uh, on Sunday, but I'm not not a hundred percent sure that he is uh, you know really that high of an upside sort of a player. Uh, more someone that you you look at if Jackson was ruled out, but that doesn't appear to be the case. Brandon Knight's getting extra minutes. He is only a tournament guy. While the Padawan Colin Sexton all the way up to six thousand three hundred because he's putting up thirty points on the regular. Now the Pistons have been really good at limiting opposition point guards, and if Sexton's uh, field goal percentage does drop at all. is going to have a real impact on him. So I don't really like him here, and his lack of contributing peripheral numbers does limit his overall upside. The Duck Luke Canards at 4,600, really, really disappointing at the moment. Well, Geordie Clarkson at 5,200. I don't see really too much value in any of those guys. Nwaba, Stauskas, some other shooting guard eligible players who I don't really think uh, a strong or even good DFS type players. At small forward, Chetty Osmond's at 6,400. You feel like maybe there's some cash value in Osmond. He has struggled a majority of the time when Love is out, but last time that Kev sat down, Osmond did put in a big performance, so maybe there's something to see there, but he's not a high priority guy. Then at power forward, Griffin at 8,500. I would absolutely love Griffin at 8,500 if he's going to play. We don't know that at this point, but if he plays, I would be all in on that. While Love at 8,100, I also think there is some value in Love there, but I do think that with the sore back and the Pistons, again, have been really good at limiting opposition power forwards, he's probably on the fade list. Drummond at 10-3 really gains value if Griffin is out, so I like him there. Well, Zizic at 4,300, I think pretty strong in cash. Uh, maybe some tournament upside, but more strong for cash. Well, Thon McCare at 3,700. If Griffin is ruled out, he becomes at least into the tournament discussion. On DraftKings, uh, Zizic, Jackson, Drummond all come in pretty strong. I like uh, the Duck a little bit more, $4,000 for Canard. That's very, very cheap. And of course, Griffo at 7200 If he does play against Cleveland, that is a very, very cheap price for uh, for Blakey. 
4,900 for Geordie Clarkson, eh, 56 for Osmond, eh, there's, they're okay, there's a little bit of appeal, but on a nine-game slate, I think you can buy, find better value in other spots. Next up, the Utah Jazz and the Washington Wizards. The Jazz are four-point favorites here on the road. The total, 228.5. Bobby Portis is going to have an interesting time trying to handle Rudy Gobert in that center spot. Uh, So there could be a real big opportunity for Gobert to put up a a big, big line in this one. At point guard, Thomas Satoransky, 6,800. I think that's way too high for Satoransky. He had a big game in uh, the game on Saturday. At 6,800, I wouldn't want to trust that. While ravishing Rick Rubio at 6,000. Yeah, probably not. He Now, he does play well against Washington, but he's still recovering from injury. I'm not, not interested in him. The Don, Donovan Mitchell. He's Don. He's good. 9,200 for Donny, uh, probably a little bit high with Rubio back especially, so I'd leave leave him away. Well, uh, Brad Beal, he's just crushing it every single game, 10,700. You have to you have to like him. You can't not like what Beal is doing. At small forward, Ariza, too high. Jeff Green, 4,500, no interest in him. Jingle and Joe at 59, too highly priced. Crowder, no interest. Jabari Park is where it does get interesting, 6,100 for Jabari. His run of really high percentage, high efficiency, high usage games continues. It's going to stop at some point. And if you're going to put a bet on the game that it stops, it's probably against one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, anchored by Rudy Gobert. So if I'm looking at uh, Parker, I think his ceiling is low. I think his floor could actually crumble a little bit here. So I'm not super into him. For the power forwards, Punch Bob is at 6,500. We know that all season Gobert is a good defender, but he is allowing some decent points against him. Portis is really just a GPP guy. Derek Favors at 6,800. I'm not really feeling too excited about that. While Gobert at 96, I absolutely love this matchup for Gobert, and I'd feel okay about using him. That price is just quite a bit higher, and that takes him away from being a 100% lock type of a guy. On the old DraftKings, you've got to love Beal at 9,400. Saturansky at 57, significantly better than on FanDuel. Even the 5,000 for Ravishing Rick looks okay. The 83 for Gobert we really like also. And I think 8,200 for the Don is, uh, is, is a pretty strong price for Mitchell. All right, the next game we look at, the Denver Nuggets and the Boston Celtics. In Boston, the Celtics are three-point favorites here. The total is 222.5, really close to the Richie Benno. Now, it should be a close game, two really high-powered teams. Jokic was back on track last game for the Nuggets as well. The uh, Celtics are going to be without Gordon Haywood, almost definitely. They've got Al Horford listed as probable. Haywood is doubtful. For this matchup, we know the Nuggets are going really much, uh, pretty much to their playoff rotation as well. The Blue Arrow, Jamal Murray, 7,100, has played extraordinarily well against the Celtics in the past, averaging 46 the last three times against them in 37 minutes. Now, the Celtics historically have been very good at defending point guards, and it's no different this season. But uh, Murray's been able to push through that. I think it might be just a little bit too high for Jamal, but he's absolutely in tournament discussion, especially given his history here. Kyrie's at 10,200, and he is just consistently churning out 50-point performances. You've got to love that he's, uh, his floor here. Rozier at 65 is way too expensive. I like Jalen Brown. 5,200 here, and when someone's been out, whether it's been Haywood or Tatum or Irving or Rogier or Smart or one of those guys, he seems to step up, and we've got that situation arising again with Haywood out. At 5,200, he's averaging 31 in these last three. I like this scenario for Jalen. While Monty Morris at 4,300, I see a limited floor and a, and a limited ceiling, so that's not an interesting play to me. Marcus Smart's at 5,900. 
giving us big numbers every night. That salary is a little bit too elevated, and I would rather take Jalen than him at this point. Uh, Gaz Harris at 47. Like Jamal, he's got a really good record against Boston, averaging 37.5 the last three times, but he's not that same player this season. The injuries have obviously really crueled his production. So I think at 47, maybe for tournaments, but even then, not really. Well, the ultimate upside guy is Farton Will Barton with the lowest of lows, but he can go really high. At 5,900, it's probably a little bit too expensive for my tastes. Marcus Morris is at 56. He's been on track the last couple of games. Haywood out does help him. I think at 56, he's got a real chance to break that floor value pretty comfortably, so I like him there. While Tatum's at 68, and I think that's too expensive. 7,000 for Paulie Millsap, who is putting together a very big run of games. The minutes are up. I actually like him as, a, as an option here while at center. You've got Jokic at 9,800, who has been putting together some solid enough games, not quite at the level that we need him to be at, but I feel okay about him here, while Horford at 6,500 with a knee issue, not really keen on uh, getting involved in the, in the Al Horford business. On DraftKings, Marcus Morris and Jalen Brown come in strong. I think the 61 for Jason Tatum makes him more appealing. I like Kyrie at 91, and I love Jamal Murray at 6,100 over on DraftKings. Next up, we've got the Knicks and the Raptors, both of these teams on a back-to-back from Sunday. No spread or total at this point. We have to assume that the fun guy, Kawhi Leonard, I'm a fun guy, (laughs) is going to be out as a back-to-back to rest to manage his load. And Kyle Lowry, I expect to be out as well with the ankle injury that cost him Sunday's game. The reports are he'd be unlikely to play uh, Monday and against the Knicks. I don't think that they need to uh, they need to push that. The Knicks coming off a victory against the Lakers on Sunday as well. For the for the Knicks, we don't know the status of Noah Vonleh, Dennis Smith, or Frankie Nilakina. All three of those guys are questionable, and the Knicks rotation, as always, is consistently questionable. At point guard, Freddie Van Vliet made a triumphant return, played 31 minutes on Sunday. He's at 4,600, and with the potential absences of both Lowry and Kawhi, this could be a big situation. He doesn't need to get his legs back under him. He was out with a thumb injury, so he was able to keep the cardio up and game shape up. So I like Freddles quite a bit here. Jeremy Lin at 3,600 started in place of Lowry, had 10 points. Now, there's an opportunity for him to have extra minutes with Kawhi likely sitting as well, but I'd only be looking at him as a tournament guy. Well, Manny Moutier is crushing it. 41 points on Sunday for Moutier. And if Smith is out again at 4,900, that's a strong, strong cash play for Moutier. Uh, Smith at 55, only really for tournaments. Nilakina, I don't give a shit about anything. He's not going to be usable, even if he does play. At shooting guard, we have to look at Damo Dotson. He's giving us 30-point realness almost every night. 5,900 from him, but it's a tougher matchup here for Dotto. Uh, the inconsistency in him earlier in the season is always playing on my mind. And the back-to-back, it does just give me a little bit of pause for Dotson. So I'm not super into him. Alonzo Trier, better than Doncic. He's 11, averaging 11 points over the last five games. At small forward, the Jedi, OG Ananobi. Hello there. He's at 3,600. He could be seeing really big minutes here. I like him as a tournament guy. Same as Storm and Norman Powell at 4,000. It could be him, it could be McCaw, it could be Ananobi, it could be Lynn, it could be Van Vliet who get the minutes. I think the one you want to guarantee there is Van Vliet, but a bunch of these other guys could get a real boost in their playing time. While the Fort Kevin Knox at 4,200, he's been getting 25 minutes a night for about a month because he can't handle it. And then on Sunday, he plays 37 minutes and puts up 28 uh, points. Again, no way to trust Professor Data at all. Even in those 38 minutes, though, he only put up 28 points. So it's not a smashing of the ceiling. And on a back-to-back, will this fatigue kick in again where he's only got to play 25 minutes? All in all, I'm saying I'm not interested in using him. 
I am super interested in Pascal Siakam. Now, it's been a lean run for Pascal. 29-point average over the last three, but historically, when Kawhi's been out, he has been putting his balls absolutely to the wall and putting up big numbers. I think he's a 40-point, 45-point guy waiting to happen in this one, while Vonley at 52, I have zero interest in that. At center, big Mark Gasol. Oh, hi, Mark. Big minutes for him on Sunday with Serge Ibaka at 35 points in 37 minutes. We should be looking at another 30-plus minute performance against uh, this Knicks team, and I think he can get to 35 again. He has historically roasted the Knicks, averaging 43 the last three times against them. I think he is a relatively solid option here, while DeAndre Jordan at 6,600. Three games ago, he played 15 minutes. The next two, over 30. Again, if you can work out any of the nonsense that Fizdale does, please let me know what it's about. Uh, He had a big 47-pointer against the Lakers. Many people go off against the Lakers. This is an opportunity for Jordan, but I'm not fully going to trust that, same as I'm not trusting Mitchell Robinson. And at 6,100, I see no value in Robbo, but he could come out and play 35 minutes and drop 60 points because Fizdale. That's just the sort of shit that happens. Also, speaking of Fizdale, Mario Hazonia hadn't played a single game since the 3rd of February when he started. And in all Fizdale's wisdom, he played him six minutes. Out of nowhere today, he played 36 minutes. So if you can work that out, by all means, explain it. Maybe you look at Hazonia if Vonley is out, but this could be a Luke Cornett game. It could be a Henry Allenson game. It could be Dikembe Mutombo coming out of retirement to play 35 minutes and blocking 18 shots. God knows what's going to happen with this team on a daily basis. Weird shit always seems to find its way into the Knicks' rotations. On to DraftKings. I like Van Vliet, Gasol, Siakam quite a bit. DeAndre Jordan down at 58. That's pretty hard to ignore. Moutier at 48. And then those upside players like Powell and the Jedi and Hazonia, of course, if you want to take that risk. Dotson at 5,300 comes in really strong on DraftKings. I like his pricing over there quite a bit, even with those concerns that I voiced earlier. Next up, the Warriors and the Spurs. The Warriors are two and a half point favorites in San Antonio. The total 224 here, the Warriors at the beginning of a five game week. There's a, a lot of stuff that could be happening here with this, um, with this Warriors team, with these lineups. We've got Demarcus Cousins, who is listed as questionable. Kevin Durant is listed as questionable as well, while the Warriors have brought Andrew Bogut to the team. Now, he wasn't supposed to join the team until the middle of the week, back on th- on Thursday against the Pacers, but because of Cousins' injury, which he's having an MRI on his foot, which is not a great sign, um, yeah, Bogut's been called up. There was a chance that Steph was going to rest this game. That was the report from uh, one of the guys from the Athletic, Marcus Thompson. But with the injury to Cousins, with Durant still being listed questionable, there's a lot of different things which could be in play here for the Warriors. So it's important to stay tuned to breaking news to figure out what's going to go on with this squad. On the Spurs side of things, well, they're completely healthy. So that's uh, that's good news in that regard. At point guard, Steph's at 9,400. I don't really like this uh, spot for Steph unless Durant and Cousins are out, but his shot has been off of late, and there is a chance that he sits out this one. Brittany Forbes, no interest. Uh, Derek White has been struggling in the salary, only it's uh, at, still at 6,500, so hasn't dropped enough for me to get really back on board with him in a DFS capacity. At shooting guard, Ballinelli's at 37. He's just a, a GPP guy, while DeMar DeRozan at 88. Love what DeRozan's done. 47 over the last three against the Warriors. I think he's a 40-point type of a guy here with a decent amount of value. It's not a bad floor play, and Clay at 8,400 also on fire. I like both of those guys as cash-type shooting guards. Gay is at 5,700. Um, yeah, look, a chance that they could go a little bit smaller in this game against Golden State. I'm not looking at Gay as a super great option, while Durant at 9,600. He has really, really killed 
the uh, the Spurs in the past, averaging almost 60 points over the last three. Coming back from the ankle, I think it's more just for tournaments that we want to look at him. At Powerfoot, Love Aldridge here, averaging 55 against the Warriors, 8,800. Really seems to have solved that Draymond issue, which plagued him earlier in his Spurs tenure. I do like him at 88. Draymond's at 67. I've got no interest in that at all. And then at center, Pirtle's at 5,300. And he is on a real roll, averaging 35 over the last three. The Warriors have in the past had an issue with limiting opposition centers. But I think with how Pirtle's playing, we can almost lock him in for 25. And that should be able to give us 25 or 26 points here. So I think he's more of a cash than a tournament guy, though. Boogie's at 87. I think Boogie's going to sit this one personally. And that would open up the value for Kavon Looney and Geordie Bell. But we would also get Andrew Bogut in the mix for maybe 10, 11 minutes, and that's going to put a cramp on both Bell and Looney's uh, production band. Again, this is going to be a really weird situation for the Warriors all week with injuries and multiple games. On DraftKings, Bellinelli is your GPP guy. I like Pirtle uh, quite a bit. Aldridge comes in strong, as does DeRozan at sub-8,000. But those Warriors guys, it's, it's a lot of hit-and-miss type of situations. Let's go to the next game. It is the Miami Heat on a back-to-back traveling to take on the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Thunder are three-and-a-half-point favorites, and the total is 213.5 points. Um, We know that Russell Westbrook will be suspended after receiving his 16th technical foul, so we're going to get Dennis Schroeder into the starting lineup. More minutes for Fat Face Ray Felton as well. For Miami, we're waiting to see the status of Justice Winslow, who set out Sunday's game, um, and we had Derek Jones Jr. start in his place. At point guard, the iron shoulder, Goran Dragic, 28 minutes Sunday, 26 points, 4,100. Can't not like that. Now, if Winslow plays, it hurts him a bit, but I actually think that in the 21, 22, maybe 23 minutes again, he can bring that value anyway. So I think he's a strong, strong option here. Felton at 4,000, not interested in that. Uh, and then uh, for the shooting guards, you've got Schroeder at 6,000, has been very poor lately, averaging 21 points over the last five. But with an opportunity with Westbrook out, uh, I think that he is a pretty good play in this in this spot. Dion Wade is at 4,100, just not getting enough minutes for my liking. While Wade and Terry Ferguson, Dwayne Wade had a big game today, 32 points in 28 minutes, but on a back-to-back, he's probably a, a fade for me. At small forward, Paul George, no Westbrook. Let's go 11,200. Spike the usage. Let's push for 80 points here. 80-point uh, upside anyway as a tournament upside guy. Like him for cash. Like him for tournaments. Well, Joshy Richardson at 6,100 has been really not quite at that level, and he's not someone I'm interested in. If Justice Winslow plays at 6,000, I think that's a decent enough value. And Derek Jones Jr. at minimum salary if uh, if we hear Winslow's out, I would like that a lot. He had 25 today in 24 minutes. Big Derek Jones. At power forward, Kelly Linux at 53. Eh, not really at that level at the moment, so that's a fade. Same as the 53 for Jeremy Grant. I don't like either of those guys. While Big Bam at a bio. Bam! He's been a relatively consistent source of 30 points. Uh, 5,800 is his salary. No reason to dislike that. At center, Hassan Whiteside at 6,300. The price is coming down, but still not enough to really you know, have him as a good option. While uh, Steve Adams at 6,400 also. He's more of a $5,700 guy, and I'm not all that keen on utilizing him. On DraftKings, I love Schroeder at 51 there. Felton at minimum salary, 3,000. Also looks pretty good. Paul George looks strong, and I actually like Jeremy Grant at 4400 over on uh, DraftKings as well. Adams at 55 that's the sort of price we're talking about. Without Westbrook, I think that helps him, maybe gets his rebound numbers up too. I like Adebayo quite a bit also at 5300 
Let's go on now to the next game. We're looking at the New Orleans Pelicans and the Dallas Mavericks. There's no spread or total at this point. I'm assuming it's because Luka Doncic missed last game, but he's been upgraded to probable for this game. Anthony Davis should play as well. It's not a back-to-back. In fact, the Pelicans don't have any more back-to-backs for the rest of the season. Drew Holiday and Etwan Moore have been ruled out for the Pelicans. At point guard, Frankie Jackson's at 5,100. He's a score-only type of a guy, and I think at 5,100, with his lack of peripheral stats, if the shots don't fall in at a high level then he's just not going to get that that amount. So I don't love him here really at all. On the flip side, his opposition rookie point guard, Jalen the Burner Brunson, at 6,100. He does do other things. He does get steals. He does get assists. He's shooting the ball fantastically. 6,100 is maybe a little bit high, but point guards have had a pretty easy run of things against the Pelicans of late. And I think at 6,100, he's worth having a look at. While Lord Alfred Payton, the king of the March triple-double, four consecutive triple-doubles for him, and the salary has gone absolutely through the roof. 9,300 for Peyton. Yes, he's averaging 54 over the last three. Do I have confidence in him being another 56, 50, uh, sorry, 46, 47 point performance here? Yeah, not really, but with his track record, it is hard to ignore. I just think that salary rise takes so much value away. Timmy Hardaway is at 52, just a GPP option, while Doncic at 9,800. Before the uh, absence last game, he had 54 points in the prior game, and it is a really positive matchup for Donch here. I think he's more, probably more GPP than Cash, though. At small forward, Kendrick Williams, eh. Darius Miller, yeah, double eh. I don't really see anything in those guys. Dorian Finney-Smith played well with Donch out, and at 4,600, you might throw him into a tournament, but I think his uh, fantasy value is pretty limited. Dwight Powell at 6,600 is a power forward. This is a great matchup for opposition centers, which he is not a power forward. Um, we've seen big numbers for opposition big men against the Pelicans for a stretch of time here. He's got clear 35, 36 point upside here. So some value in power, not the strongest one out there, but some value while uh, Czech Diallo at 4,600. Big from him, 25 minutes last game in 31 minutes. Now that's because Julius Randle was somewhat limited on a back-to-back. So I'd temper my expectations for Czech while Randle at 8,900 has had a history of absolutely carving the Mavs up. But at 8,900, it might be just a little bit too high. Maxi Kleber, an excellent tournament play, although the salary rise has taken a lot of his value off the table. While Tone Davis at 8,000, I think that's too high for a guy that we know is going to be limited. For the centers, we've got Salah Mejri versus Jali Lokafor. And if you if you roster a center from this matchup, you are just wanting to burn money. On DraftKings, we're looking at Randall at 8,000, much more sensible as a price. Powell at 62, Donch at 89, really good value options there. Lord Alfred Payton, now that's a sensible price, 7,500. Got to love that, and you got to get on and get involved in the Lord Alfred Payton business. For the next game, we've got the Chicago Bulls traveling to take on the Phoenix Suns. The Bulls on a back-to-back after getting shellacked by the Kings. The Suns, three-point favorites. The total, 228.5. The Suns coming off a win in one of the most blatant experiences in tanking from the Pelicans in NBA history. The Suns get that victory. Um, Interesting stuff for the Bulls here. They were really piss poor against the uh, Kings, so a lot of their guys are going to be rested. At point guard, Tyler Johnson is questionable for Phoenix. Rashawn Holmes also questionable after missing the last game. Johnson's missed the last two. Now, I don't know what Kokoshkov's going to do. Common sense would suggest, hey, why don't we get that rookie point guard who started a bunch of games early in the season and was bloody good at it? Why don't we play him? But the first game that Johnson missed, Melton was a DMPCD in what is one of the worst decisions, worst coaching decisions of the season. The second game, he started and looked great. But then you have to wonder, 
did he get those extra minutes because it was a back-to-back and they decided to sit Jamal Crawford because he was old? Not because he was bad, because he's been bad for three years, but because he was old. So if Crawford comes back in, do we get another 17-minute pissing performance from Melton? That's the real question mark there. One thing that I feel good about is that if Johnson is out, Joshy Jackson's minutes will push up. As for Tyler at 5,500, probably more tournaments than cash. Well, Chris Dunn at 5,800, he is really making me look smart by saying that he's not good over this last two or three months of action. At 5,800, really just more of a tournament guy. Archer Jackano, Big Shaq Harrison. Big Shaq. Harrison actually was okay against the Kings, but nothing really to see. While Melton had that 31 points last game, if we hear that he's starting... Uh, with Johnson out, then at 3,800, I absolutely love it. But I worry that they'll put Jamal Crawford in to thieve some of those minutes. At shooting guard, Levine's at 8,300. In terms of consistency, one of the most or the most consistent Bulls players. So he's got value. Well, Devin Booker, 9,800. That's a significant price rise for Booker. It's probably bordering on a little bit too high. But if there's a matchup where you're going to use Booker, it's against Zach Levine and the Bulls. So I like him at 9,800 mainly for this matchup. Wayne Seldon, yeah, probably not interesting. Uh, Otto Porter, 7,200. Been a little bit disappointing of late, but this matchup does really suit Porter, and he didn't overexert himself against Sacramento. He's in play while Ubre is just crushing at 6,900. Giggity! He's giving us 37 a night. I think, again, in a, in a strong matchup for, for Ubre, he works pretty well. 5,100 for McCall Bridges, maybe too high. Uh, at Power Forward, Lowry Markinen has just been piss poor. Uh, 7,500. Now he's back in Phoenix. If you want to take. If you want to believe in the, hey, he's back in the state where he played his college ball narrative situation, this one fits for Markkinen. Um, only just for tournaments. So his shot has been off all of March. But maybe that gives more credence. So, hey, eventually it's going to turn around and maybe it's here that it happens. Joshy Jackson at 5,300. If Tyler Johnson's out, I think there's value in Jacko. He had 37 points last game. And then at center, DeAndre Ayton got ejected. So ignore that 22-point performance. Against the Bulls, you've got a great opportunity as a center. So 7,500. He had 44 in the first meeting against these teams. I'm in on DeAndre Ayton. Robin Lopez, on the other hand, 6,400 is maybe just a little bit too high for Big Rob. But he has been really solid for for this last month or so, six weeks. I still think that's probably a little bit too high for Robin Lopez. On DraftKings, TJ, Tyler Johnson at 4,600. He has some value. Marketing down at 7,000 GPPs. Love Devin Booker at 85. Love Aiden at 66. Love McCall Bridges at 4,000. Value in all those guys. And Levine at 7,900. The last game we're going to take a squiz at is the Indiana Pacers traveling to take on the Portland Trailblazers. The Blazers are three and a half point favorites, and the total is 213 and a half. It's curious that they are favorites in a game where CJ McCollum has been ruled out. At point guard, we're looking at Seth Curry as a minimum salary player. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to start, because I think they'll probably get Rocket Rodney Hood in there, but Curry is going to have his minutes increased, and he becomes a strong tournament option. Lillard at 10,000 should be good for close to 50 as well, although this is a tougher matchup for him against this Pacers team who defends point guards you know, really, really solidly. Dazza Collison at 6,700. Um, like the Pacers, the Blazers also uh, defend point guards really, really well. So Collison maybe maybe not in the greatest spot here. At shooting guard, Wesley Wes Matthews, 4,400. Just a, a tournament sort of situation for him. While at small fort, Rocket Rodney Hood, 4,100. You've always got to look at him as a tournament guy. He could come in as a starter, shit his pants on the court, and then not be seen for the first quarter. And I, I mean that not even figuratively. That could actually happen to Rodney Hood. 
He's got 35, 40 point upside. He's also got you know nine point downside. So he is an interesting GPP guy. Jake Lehman could also see some minutes boost, but he's not really all that interesting. Flaming Mo Harkless, nah, Boyan Bogdanovic, probably a little bit too highly priced. For the power forwards, the Chief Al Farouk Aminu. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. He's at 4,200 Aminu. Really strong record against the Pacers. 33 point average the last three times. Uh, more tournaments, we know his inconsistency. Well, DeMontis Sabonis has got things back on track, but I hate the fact that he's priced at 6,200, and that would be a no from me. Thad Young also, you know, strong floor play, 30 point floor play at 6,300, but not really the tournament upside. At center, Miles Turner, let's go, 7,200. Like the matchup, like the minutes. If the shot falls, he's going to have a 45-pointer, so I'm in on him. Enes Kanter, I'm not, while Yusuf Nurkic is all the way up at 8,900. And against one of the hardest teams for opposition centers to put up numbers against, uh, being the Pacers, I think that that salary makes Nurkic probably not the best option out there. On DraftKings, you've got Turner. Uh, who I like. I got Rocket Rodney Hood as that tournament guy. Nurkic at 71. That's a massive price discrepancy, and he works on DraftKings. Sabonis down at 56, I think also has value, and I love Lillard at $9,000 over on DraftKings. Let's look at some studs and values on DraftKings. I got my stud as Paulie George and my value as Dennis Schroeder. No surprise there. On Fangel, Siakam is my stud, and my value is Fred Van Vliet. Again, that's assuming that Lowry and Leonard are both out. On Yahoo, my stud is LaMarcus Aldridge, and my value is Frankie Jackson. And then on Draft Stars, my stud is Paul George, the Beatle, and my value is Fred Van Vliet. That'll do it for another episode, another Monday episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Make sure you're checking out our shows right across the network. We're going to have the baseball shows launching pretty soon. So while you're in the car, why don't you tell your smart device to play your favorite baseball team's Locked On Podcast show. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Subscribe. And if you're on YouTube, hit that like button, hit the bell so you know when a new episode comes out. Good luck in the playoffs. Good luck in your fantasy league. Good luck in your DFS. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.